You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Alexis Forte. Alexis is a wonderful costume designer. She and I have known each other for about five years. We met when my husband Frankie and her boyfriend Raul were cast in the TV show Looking Together. She has an energy for life that's contagious, and it was so great to spend some quality time with her for this episode. I loved hearing about why she's made the career decisions she has and the differences between working in theater, film, and television as a designer. So thank you, Alexis. I hope you all enjoy the 123rd episode of The Compass. What do you do to try to keep from going to the dark side as an artist? I've listened to your podcast, and so I've been thinking of what my answer is, and I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and what I, does the dark side, what does that mean to you Like when right. you say that most often? I think for me, the dark side is, and for a lot of artists, it's like you've worked so hard to get where you are, and then you get it and you don't have a life and for my work I I travel a lot so I think my dark side is when I'm in a hotel room by myself and I spend 14 hours at work and then I get home and I'm exhausted and sleep and wake up and do it all over again and it feels robotic Mm -hmm. and to to not be in that mind space, I just have to remember that this is what I want to do, that there is no plan B, and that I am so lucky and so blessed that I get to do it, that I get to work on movies that I feel passionate about, or a TV show that I still get to do, a theater project a year, and like, so fucking lucky. (laughs) (laughs) And, And so I think I just have to remember this is what I want to do but it's easy to I think just seclusion in general and and when you're at work always like living in this alternate reality and in storytelling you're always thinking about these other people and these fictional characters Mm -hmm. and and it's important to take time for yourself so like I I try to work out every day or like go to yoga or something and it's not even particularly that I like working out (laughs) it's just uh what I do to try to carve out some time that's me time to stay happy and positive yeah and to really be present with yeah yourself and your actual yeah physical body yeah and I also like um I also like listening to podcasts a lot, like in the morning while I get ready or like while I'm out like doing errands and like shopping for work or stuff. And, um, and I'm really into political podcasts now cause mm-hmm. I feel like another way of staying out of the dark side is just to remember how dark <laughs> the world is. <laughs> We're like, oh, you got it pretty easy, Alexis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are some of your favorites? I, like all the crooked media stuff so like pod save america and love it or leave it um i like the daily um so then i feel like i'm really up to date if i don't have time to read the news that i'm still 
getting it and getting information that I think, I mean, it's all really liberal information, but I think that it's based on facts. And then alternatively, I also, I listen to that and I listen to murder podcasts a lot. A lot of people are into those. I I... have not really broken into them. What do you find so fascinating about them? um, I have a fear of getting murdered. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? Uh, Even like when I'm on my own, I'm on my own a lot. Like in hotel rooms and stuff. I'm like, I, I panic places. that like people can just get into your hotel room. Like anyone that works there has a key to it. So I'll always put it, <laughs> but like a chair against the door or something that will make noise. I'm also a really heavy sleeper. So I'm like, someone could just come in and rape me. And murder me. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so listening to the murder podcast makes me feel like, like I would have like, um, you're being, you're preparing yourself. Yeah. To deal for, with when that I get to <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> I listened to one called My Favorite Murder. Yeah. That's um, the one that I've heard a couple episodes of. Yeah. And I like the ladies and it's, it's under comedy. <laughs> right. It's lighthearted, even though the yeah. subject matter is so dark. Yeah. And it's just, it's two women that like talking about true crime. Have you heard of, um, you must remember this. I have. I'm wondering if I've listened to an episode or I not. think it's actually like a movie history type podcast. I think that's actually their focus, but they have a whole series. I only listened to this series because I kept hearing people recommend it. Mm-hmm. They have a whole series of episodes on the Manson murders. Really? Which I didn't know anything about really, uh-huh. besides just like generally that something had happened. And it was fascinating and creepy. So creepy. Yeah. I feel like... It's a little bit how I feel our government's operating now and like this cult-like mentality Mm. and what you can get people to believe and what you can people to do for you. Yeah. It's, it's insanity. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, and it just goes to show how easily we're all brainwashed and then how we glorify someone like that. Not that like we glorify Manson, but like that people are so intrigued by someone who can manipulate us that we then perpetually talk about them forever. Give them free publicity. Yeah. And we give them that power. And, and that's how I feel about Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Come full circle on the podcast conversation. Um, so you've been working in TV and film for a long time now. Yeah. Um, and talking about the isolation and like the long hours and everything, is that, did you realize that that was how it was going to be when you were getting into it? Cause I mean, theater is intense like that, right. but in a different way. I thought, I thought it was just going to be like theater. I wanted in college, I studied costume and set design. Um, and I studied in London and in England, it's one designer, um, that does both. And so I thought that that's what I was going to do. Oh, that um, does set and costume. Yeah. Oh, cool. And so that was my plan when I was in college. And then I graduated and I was like, oh, I've always wanted to live two years in New York. So it's turned into a lot more than two years, because <laughs> I never, I always thought I would go back. But um, so I moved to New York and I started at, at the public theater. Um, and, and I ended up going into costumes because I felt like I was stronger in costumes. That's what I wanted to do if I had to pick one. And, um, and I was just really broke. 
like really, really broke. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Like working in theater is, I mean, it's just unrealistic. It's, it's, they don't pay us enough. And they should. Especially it's scary to say that about like, the public is one of the largest off-Broadway theaters. Yeah. They're like their own They are. And, city. <laughs> and they are great, and I had such a great time there. Yeah. But um, I, I just couldn't. I was interning in the, with a designer there for Shakespeare in the Park. I remember in the summer. Um, which, which show were you working on? On, on Measure for Measure. Oh, okay. And, and before that, I had done another show that... Um, there at the public as well, working for uh, uh, working for Susan Hilferty, um, who's a costume designer that did Wicked and um, okay. Spring Awakening, and so I was working there for her, and then they put me on to the next one, um, which was Measure for Measure, and then I was running a show at night, so I was working for that designer during the day, and then running a show there at night to make money, and then uh, like. They offered me like such great opportunities, but it was just like I was working so many hours, and I just I could barely pay rent, and it was it was such a stress. Um, so then I was research. I was like, well, maybe I had some friends that were working in TV, and I was like, well, maybe if I can just get like a PA job in the costume department for TV, like I can see how that is. And before that, I had no desire to do TV or film. I always thought that, like, theater was the end-all, be-all of everything I was going to do. Yeah. And so I thought um, the way to get a job in TV was to um, research what costume designers designed the shows that shot in New York and then just email them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's somewhere to start. (laughs) I I didn't hear back from anyone. (laughs) Um, Except for Ingrid, who's a costume designer on Nurse Jackie, and she was very nice and said, we'll absolutely keep you in mind if we have anything. And I was like, great. That is so sweet, though, even to reply to a cold email like that. Oh my God, she is the nicest woman. That is very sweet. (laughs) So nice. And And doesn't that just like make, it goes so far when you're trying to break in on something and nobody replies to an email, you just feel invisible. Nobody replies to anything. Yeah. And... And so it was so nice that she did. And then I knew an actor on the show, my friend Arjun, and and I mentioned that I'd written to her and that she'd replied. I was like, so who knows? Like maybe I'll get a day. And he was like, why don't you just ask me? Like I'll just I'll just put in a good word for you. And because I didn't, I wanted to get it on my own. But then I realized that, and subsequently down the line, I realized that someone putting in a good word for you, as long as you can deliver on the goods, is is still making it on your own mm-hmm. and uh but that it really helps to have someone who's already on the inside put in a good word and it's fucking sucks to say that because you would hope that you can get there on your own but I felt like I feel like so many times it's happened where you're qualified for the job but it you get it because someone's recommended you to get it right I mean, I, I understand how that can feel weird, but like you said, as long as you can yeah. back it up. Exactly. So 
Yeah, so the person doesn't have to take their recommendation. Exactly. They know they don't. So, yeah. but he did recommend me and then she called me the next day and she was like, Hey, we have like some day playing. Do you want to come in? And so I worked a little bit on that, which what was great. What does that mean in like costumes? Like if you're just there for a day, what do you help with? So like, um, with PA that, that right, you're helping with like just doing returns and pickups. And, and so they had me on a few days a week like towards the end of the week between episodes, like there's a lot of returns to do cause they'll just get a new episode and then shop a bunch and then they just need someone to help with returns. And so, so that's what I did. Dealing with customer service people <laughs> all day long. <laughs> you're like standing in line at Burlington and you're like, I went to college for this. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I mean, we had to figure it out. be done. And, uh, and everyone that, there was so nice and so I uh so I worked there for a bit and then someone from there recommended me for this job on the Madonna tour that was prepping um in New York and that was really fun because that job became available because Josh Marsh who you've interviewed before yeah left that to go to girls and then anyway so he did not mention the Madonna tour <laughs> when we talked so. <laughs> Um, he should have. <laughs> um, I heard his interview. I really liked it. Yeah, I just ran into him on the street the other oh, day. Oh, really? Yeah. He just got a job. I don't know if I could talk about it on here. But he just... We'll talk about it afterwards. Okay. I think he might have... I don't know if he, he mentioned like, something, but... just got it on Friday. It's going to be big okay. and it's going to be exciting. Okay, you can tell me um, <laughs> But I'm very excited for him. Uh, and then, like, from that, just, like, like, one thing from another. After Madonna, then... Josh needed help on girls, and so then I got went to girls, yeah. and then, and then I worked up to being a coordinator, and then an assistant costume designer, and and hopefully one day I'll get to design for TV and film. But for now, I'm an assistant costume designer for TV and film, and I get to design for a theater, which I still try to do once a year. As the assistant, are you getting to have a say in a lot of the creative decisions, or do you feel like you've had to gain a lot of those like managerial administration skills to do that part of the job. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I just answer that question with a yes. Um, <laughs> yes to all. Yes to all. I think that it depends the designer that you're working with. Mm-hmm. I um, have been assisting on a few movies now. Danny Glicker, who you know and who I think is a genius and amazing. Um, and I love working for him because I think he is very collaborative and, and he likes hearing my thoughts and, um, and his design process. Like he, he's very vocal about like everything that he's thinking and researching. I feel like it's a great learning process for me to see right. how he works and, and discussing all the ideas with him. And I think that that's a really great create opportunity that you don't get to do with other designers because they don't want to know what your ideas are, which is also totally okay because it depends on what everyone's process is. Right. But a lot of my job is to manage things and to make sure everything's on time and on track and, um, and to aid in whatever the designer's idea is and, and helping that come to life. So figuring out where we can get certain things or... Uh, swatching fabrics for them based on their ideas and collaborating with the tailors and the supervisor and making sure that everyone's in communication 
And, and so I think that's really important too. And I like assisting. I think that it's, it's a great experience to have for when I do design myself. Yeah. Well, especially movies are on such a large scale compared yeah. to most theater. Yeah. And that's, as someone, a lot started, to learn. Yeah, as someone <laughs> who started in theater, I now would, my goal is film and, yeah. and yeah. I would like to design for film. And so I like being able to work on, on these movies with Danny and, uh, and I feel like I'm learning a lot from him and, and so I don't know how many more years I'll be assisting, but, but I think that, I mean, I could assist forever and still keep learning all the time, you know, so maybe I'll design an assist or I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see what the future has. <laughs> <laughs> That's so exciting. What does your family make of your choice to be an artist for your career? I, I'm sure everyone thinks this about their mom, but I have the best mom in the world. <laughs> Because my mom has just been supportive of everything I've wanted to do. I, when I was little, I was in swimming classes. I like swimming, so I was part of the swim team. And then I'm really into ballet, and so she researched like all these different summer programs that I would audition for, mm-hmm. and then I would go. And I was into art in school, so she got me like outside art classes too and sculpture classes at the Miami Art Center in Miami. She like she's always like, whatever you like, let's research that and and go full steam ahead and see if you like that. And um, and so she's always been so supportive. And I went to um, a visual arts high school, and and so art's just always been a, a part of my life. And I went in knowing that I wanted to be a costume designer. And so I've been, that's been my goal since I was like 14. And my mom's always been like, great, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anyone else in your family who's kind of artistically inclined? Um, I have an aunt who is a dancer. Um, and I think my mom's artistic in in her way too. She's um, She's a personal trainer and a gym instructor and... She's recently started taking these painting classes, um, oh, cool. which is fun, and, and I really like her paintings. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and my dad, I think my dad's artistic too. He um, he he did pottery in college. Like he didn't major in that, but he took a pottery class, and uh, and he likes like building little things. Like he's into these like. Uh, um, his mom's house in Portugal, he had these like vintage train sets that he like recently put together mm-hmm. and he put together this motorcycle that he bought in pieces and he likes like putting things together. Physical things. Yeah. yeah. Are you an only child? I am. I don't know if I realized that. I'm one of those weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> the very, very social only child. <laughs> Yeah, I think that a lot of only children are like have to end up being social because we have no one else to talk to. So you talk to yeah. adults and then you just make friends with everybody. Everybody. I'm like there is this I grew up in Portugal till I was ten and there is this woman who there was a church at the end of our street and the woman at the uh, the woman who cleaned the church, who I think lived there too. 
I would see her in the garden. Each time I would see her, I would run up to her and be like, Mamãe, which means mom in Portuguese. <laughs> but I called my mom mommy. So I don't, I, but I heard other people calling older women mamãe. So I guess maybe in my mind, I thought like, that's what you call an yeah. older woman. I don't know. But <laughs> she's like, whoa. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so all that to say that I feel like I've like, made friends since I was little with like random people <laughs> <laughs> that's what since I was homeschooled growing up and uh-huh. I feel like it was something similar where like I was always very comfortable around adults yeah like it wasn't just spending time with people your age and your grade yeah it's people of all ages yeah I think that there's benefits to to being a kid who spends a lot of time around adults I also think that it makes me I think I'm not great with conflict sometimes Mm. because I think when you're around adults, they just tell you what to do and you're not going to argue with that. And that I always wanted to be liked. So I don't, I'm not good with conflict. And, um, and I think I'm only recently starting to be aware of that, that like, even in like my own relationship, I mean, every relationship has like, you know, not fights, but like, right, right, right. like I think this, I think this, and then like I'll just like shut down. I'll be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, what just happened? And I'm like, I don't. It's not interesting. I'm avoid the conflict. I'm just gonna let's just move on. <laughs> yeah, I totally understand. Um, but I think that that's only something I'm rec- that I'm recently realizing is probably because I was an only child and I just wanted to be liked and accepted and I didn't want to get in fights with people. <laughs> yeah. Since you have been doing so much work in TV and film, what has the transition been like when you've come back to design a play? Like you just did Our Lady of 124th Street at Signature, which I loved. Thanks. Um, but is it like a shock to your system to come back to that way of working? or um, A little... A little because part of the process of theater are the previews and the things like changing during the previews and um, and also just having to sit through it so many nights and with people in the audience and I just, the first audience, like the first preview we had, I just looked at everything and I was like, I fucking hate all of this. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck did I do? I hate it all. And then, and then the next day like I felt better about it and then we changed some of the costumes and but then it's just like this like anxiety of like you're still making changes but people but are watching it, it. Front and people, yeah. and you keep watching it day after day so I feel like I go through this like roller coaster of like this is all great uh, yeah I'm happy with this and then the next day I'm like oh my god it looks horrible today (laughs) (laughs) and everyone saw it (laughs) and I like yeah so so there's that like I I remember like that first week Roel wasn't in town but I would just like call him and I was like crying and he's like what what happened and I was like I just it's ugly it's all ugly I don't know what I did no we all deal with that kind of like second guessing ourselves yeah self-doubt are there any things that you've learned about the collaboration of the design team over the past couple of shows that you've done that's you feel like is making it easier for you to like speak up for your choices or 
I'm not sure exactly what I'm asking. Does that make sense? No, it does make sense. I think that um, in theater, for sure, I think that the more, um, like what's great about like that process in theater is that you get to try it that other person's way. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, and then this is my way. Can we just see my way again? And And so you get to have that more than in TV and film where sometimes you do have to, the other departments that are collaborating with there are really like what the director want and then what do the producers want. And, and in film, it's definitely more creative and the designer has a lot more say because it's something he's, he or she is creating with the director. Uh, but in TV, you have all these, like I just did a pilot with this great uh, designer named Leah, who's also very collaborative and I really like her. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would have these fittings and then the photos were sent out to like, and it's like a network thing. It's like, it changes if it's not a network thing. It's definitely more creative, but a network, they use email it to like these aid producers and then they email it to a whole other list of people that you will never meet and that they have some say in it too. And it's... <laughs> <laughs> and then if they say no it's like quick turnaround I'm sure yeah there's like there's one character that we had to like reshop for again like cause they had new ideas and new stuff but then other things they'll like they'll, you'll have the fitting photos and they'll be all numbered and someone will email back like I like 4 and 8 and then someone else likes 3 and 6 and it's like so everyone has a say (laughs) and um and I think it's important to work like know how to navigate that and this designer that I was working for is really great at that she's a really good at like never being confrontational with other people's ideas and still working in that her idea is the one that wins Mm -hmm. and um and I want to learn how to do that yeah definitely definitely a skill yeah so you don't run over yeah because I think at the end of the day like they hire a costume designer and although people should have their say I think that some network executive sitting behind a desk in LA like why is that blue shirt so important to you like (laughs) (laughs) and then it's like you know they're not thinking about the larger picture of like visually like you know, like what the uniform of the bar you're shooting in is and what the love interest is wearing and what this and that. And it's just like, it all has to kind of make a sense visually together. And so it's a little bit frustrating when someone who's a million miles away and, and can't see that visual picture all together has so much of a say, but right. it's a business and we're all getting paid to be there. So yeah. I guess who's ever writing the checks gets to decide <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We do not have to talk about this if you don't want to, Mm -hmm. but I was curious how, since your boyfriend is also an artist, how you guys kind of deal with 
being in a relationship as two artists slash all the long distance you have to do from both of your schedules? I think it's, I don't mind talking about it all because I think that a lot of, um, I'm sure you two have to deal with this as well, that it's, um, it's part of that first thing I said. It's just hard when you spend so much time on your own and it's hard when you're in a relationship and and you Skype every day but it's not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um and I think that we're very lucky that we've made it work these five years and hopefully five more years after that and after that and after mm-hmm. that. Um but it's hard and I think that it's uh, it's important to like we make time to see each other I would say like if we're on a long-term project that's separated from each other, like we'll at least see each other once every three weeks and either I'll go to him or he'll come to me. And sometimes it's more, but it's around. That's pretty good. That. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really important to make the time to do that. Even if it's like taking a flight, which I've done before on a Saturday morning and then taking the flight back on a Sunday night which sounds insane, but it's like, is that more of a hassle or is putting the time and commitment into your relationship more important? And for me, making your relationship work is more important because at the end of the day, like that's your life. That's who's there for you. Um, so yeah, that's the hard part when these jobs are so intense yeah. And you, you're like, I, I can't call you during the day because I don't even have 10 minutes to myself. And yeah. It feels like the most important thing. Absolutely. And, the, I, yeah. <laughs> and then you have, you have to remind yourself that no, it's not. And I think that even at the end of a super long day, it's hard to like get home and be like, okay, let's Skype now. Like, let's chat. And so because you're like, I've been talking all day. You're like, I don't work. I just want to sit in silence. Yeah. But I think it's good to decompress with somebody. And so like, sometimes I'll get home or he'll get home and we'll just Skype from bed. We're just like chatting or mm-hmm. he'll have dinner and I'll have dinner and we'll just prop our phones or computers <laughs> up in front. And so it'll be like we're having dinner together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you guys ever gotten to work on a project together? Uh, we did Looking Together. We did the Looking oh, I movie. I guess that's true. That's um, right. Because you started assisting Danny yeah. for the movie. The movie before Gold, which was this movie that nobody saw, but you should, <laughs> <laughs> uh, was the first movie I assisted Danny on. And then the Looking movie happened right after. And so I got to go right on to Looking movie. That's right. Because I didn't really get to visit during the movie, so I forgot about that. I felt so lucky to be there and to like get to be part of that final process for all of them. Mm-hmm. Since I think looking was so special. <laughs> and there's Frankie an... was actually to this reading he had to go to this afternoon. Uh-huh. He wore the pants he wore to his wedding in the movie. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think I've ever seen those. And he was like, they're from the wedding in the movie. I've never, I haven't worn them since. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> I think that, like, there was an article recently, where was it, that was talking about, like, how It's Looking came out now, but it would probably have done better than when it came out, which is crazy to think that, like... It's only been a couple years. Yeah. 
that a five-year or six-year difference can really change the trajectory of a show. But it makes sense. I feel like we're living in a world right now where we want to escape so much from our reality that there are more... Um, that, that, that there are shows on TV that represent more people. Hmm. Because we want to escape into that. <laughs> Be like, can we just all love each other? <laughs> yeah. um, and so maybe that's a good sign of or also our, our current world status and administration is that most of us don't want to live in this world. So it creates this great art for all of us to escape into. <laughs> That'd be a bleak way of looking at it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot, a lot to take in right now. Yeah. Are there any lessons you've learned over the last couple years that you're really proud of that you want to share with me? Can be small things or big things. I've learned that it's important to save money. That's always a great lesson to learn. (laughs) How's that going? (laughs) Now that I'm between jobs, like I'm so happy I've saved some money. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm waiting for a job to start and I I don't want to take anything else until this job starts because I want to do it. Um, So so that's good. (laughs) And uh, and I've learned... um, I feel like I've learned the practicalities of what I do more. Like I went to an art school um, that just teaches you how to, to channel your design and, and how to be a designer. And so I graduated without knowing how to budget for a show or to do a breakdown of the script or um, just all these little things that you're like, Oh, I never learned that. I know how to model make and design. And we had technicians at school that would like help us with creating and constructing. But there was just so many practicalities that as you enter into the real world, you're like, I really wish they had taught me that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I think that, um, that I wish that schools taught that more. And maybe other schools do, but... um, but mine didn't. Yeah, it's hard to deal with that stuff when you're not actually yeah. wor- working within the structure of a company that requires it. Yeah, when like every project is just, in yeah. your greatest dreams, how would you design this? <laughs> yeah. Um, how long did you say that you lived in London when you were there? I lived four studying? years. And that was college for you? Yeah. Okay. What's What was the name of the school you went to? There? It's called Central St. Martins, okay. and it's... Uh, it's in our school it's known for their fashion program it's where alexander mcqueen went and john galliano and stella mccartney and um and their designs i think you can really see how like their the school really nurtures design and 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 learns how to it teaches you how to put your ideas into motion and really be creative and but um it doesn't teach you how to make money (laughs) (laughs) no I think that's a huge problem for so many people coming out of any type of art school 
Yeah, I think so. It's like if, if things don't work out perfectly for you with like the ladder of the business, yeah. then what do you do? I just watched the uh, Alexander McQueen documentary. How and was I'm, it? Oh, so amazing. So amazing. And I'm reading the book now too. I'm like almost done with the book, but mm. I wanted to finish before the documentary, but I just couldn't wait. Um, <laughs> and it's interesting that he, he was creating all these fashion lines like I mean like his collection um and putting on fashion shows but was living on the dole which is like unemployment and and he would use the money that he got from the dole and and put it into um the clothing that he was creating and um and then like go to his parents house to like get beans and toast and he was like squatting in people's studios and um and you would get like spaces for our shows for free and get people to work for him for free just because I thought he was so talented. And so it's interesting how you can go, and I think this goes across the board in our industry, how you can go from literally living on unemployment and then at 27 you got offered the position as head of Givenchy. And so he went from the dole to being a millionaire overnight. That's insane. In same and I think that that's which is why I think it's important to save because I think that that can like 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 across the board in the arts in general you can go from living off like scraps and then landing a big job where you're like great I'm set but you, that job's not gonna last forever <laughs> right and, and and so I think it's important for us all to keep true to your art and to do what you love and when you have that good gig, save. save. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's what's so frustrating about it. It's like, you, know, you don't know if or when yeah. that break's going to come. So how do you keep yourself creative? How do you keep your yeah. sense of self when you're not being rewarded in the way that you see people define as success? Yeah. Like, how how do you not let that impact your self-esteem? Like, you're still an artist. You're still doing things, Mm -hmm. even if nobody's recognizing it. Yeah, and I think that's the hardest part for artists in general, whatever their art form is. I think that, which is why I think it helps to live in a city like New York or for those of us that went to art schools and, like, you went to Juilliard, to have that community that you can work with and you can still create work with and I think that that's so important and and it's hard though when you're still being creative but your peers are on the cover of Vogue right and to not compare (laughs) yourself to that is hard because I think it's human to compare and but it just makes you feel bad about yourself when really you should feel excited for your peers. <laughs> I went to a school with this girl um, who's a production designer now, this woman. Um, mm-hmm. And she landed this. She went the route of, um, um, of designing indies. And, and I went like, like worked up from a PA up on bigger stuff. And then she got this job designing 
this really amazing show for this person that I wish I could have worked <laughs> for. And when she told me, like, my heart just sank. Yeah. Because I was so, I was really so excited for her. And then this other part of me felt so jealous and sad for myself. Right. And dealing with that is hard because I just had to remember that I had to, I was excited for her and I should let that emotion reign stronger than my jealousy and self-pity. Yeah. And all I kept wondering was like, well, maybe if I had done that, maybe if I had done indies, maybe if like, then I could have that same thing and why not me? Why not me? Right. Me, me, me. And it's just, that's not helpful and that isn't going to get you the job and that's not going to make you a better artist and it's just going to make you feel bad. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, it's a natural thing to do, but I think it's still about like learning how to like shorten yeah, that time gap exactly. <laughs> between when you feel both and when you can just feel happy for them. You can go home. You can Let feel it go sorry sooner. for yourself. Let it go sooner. Sooner the next time. Sooner the next time. Exactly. And uh, yeah. And so hopefully each time you feel that way, it'll get shorter and shorter. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it's, you know, it's nice to propel each other up rather than push each other down. Especially for women. I think that we've all grown up in this world where people like the competition we create between each other and perpetuate this notion of cat fights and, mm-hmm. um, and bringing some girl down because she's a hoe or she's a slut or she's fat or she's tacky or she's whatever. We've come up with so many things to put other women down that, um, just based off our own jealousy. And so in work, when that jealousy creeps up, especially if it's against a woman, I just have to be like, it's okay to feel this way, but don't let it affect you or show and get over it, deal with it because hooray for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I feel like usually that people perpetuating those storylines are just, just a distraction from yeah. all the jobs that the men are getting. Exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just perpetuating that myth that like there can only be one yeah. successful woman in any field. Or... Absolutely there's only the one opportunity you can all share. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are there any uh, particular types of stories that you're really excited about right now that you're really interested in telling? I, I'm really interested in just period pieces in general. I think that I like, I really like researching into a certain period. I like researching people like real people I like telling people stories that existed and um and just finding out more about someone who lived in this world and did it and (laughs) 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 survived um (laughs) this thing we call life but no I like I like uh sort of diving into different eras and uh and and seeing how what was going on politically or what was going on in that country or city or state or, you know, like, like what, like what's going on in the world around them, how that affects what people wear and, um, and the actions they do and the stories that they tell. And, and so I'm interested in that. And I think that sometimes those stories aren't pretty and people don't do nice things. And I, hmm. and I, 
And so I think that's important to share. Like the story doesn't need to be about good people or have a moral at the end or, um, I don't know if this is making sense, but just like, (laughs) I mean, I think that's fascinating. Like how does that affect what they were wearing? Um, and I'm so curious what people will say looking back on like our time right now with all this crazy stuff that's happening in the world. And someone will look back and be like, during the Trump presidency, yeah. how did that affect what people were wearing? And it's, I can't like see it right now because we're in it. I think that I see people wearing their thoughts on their sleeve per se. Like literally like there's this fad of like t-shirts that are just statements Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, and they're all just super simple, just a super simple t-shirt, a super simple baseball cap, a, like a, whatever, that it's just a blank canvas of this is how I feel because we feel like we have to explain ourselves to people or we want to make it clear to everyone what we're thinking. Um, and maybe that's also a reflection of this Twitter age that we live in. We think that everyone should be aware of all our thoughts at all times. <laughs> Are you on Twitter? I'm not on Twitter. I I, I know I have one for the podcast, but I basically just like yeah. announce the episode every week. I think it's a great platform. I do. I, I don't think our president should be using it, but I think it's a great <laughs> platform um, for other things. And I, I created one, but I haven't been on it in like four or five years. Mm-hmm more into Instagram because I'm a visual person. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, so all in all, I'm into telling stories about people that existed. And um, so not all period projects are about real people in history, but that's, I think, what I'm most into is... Um, is really looking to see what a certain person was like and trying to portray them in the most honest form. If you are in like in the dark place or having a day where you're feeling really down or uninspired or like, why did I choose this profession? <laughs> are there any concrete things that you reach for? Like besides, you mentioned working out, but like a book you reread or music you listen to or a concrete thing that you can turn to? Um... I think my mom. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we talk every day, but I do call her more when I'm feeling down. So I feel bad about that. Sorry, mom. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure she doesn't mind. (laughs) But I think that's my concrete thing. Um, It's talking to somebody who really knows you. Yeah. Yeah. And... And I think she's also, she's always on my side, but she's also good at showing the other side of the coin that when you're on the dark side, you have no view of because you've just clouded yourself into a fog of misery. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and so she's really good at being like, I see where you're coming from, but also something else to think about is... (laughs) You have all these things going for you. Yeah. yeah. Or like if you're mad at somebody or you're like you're like bogged or someone at work did something like she's good at showing their side of the story too, mm. which I think is always helpful to have someone in your life that's like, I hear what you're saying, but maybe in your cloud, 
you have forgotten to listen. And, and it's good to have someone that just reminds you of that because we all forget to listen sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then the last question is, have you seen anything recently of any art form that you want to recommend? Yes. So the McQueen documentary, for sure. That is amazing. Amazing, mm-hmm. amazing. Um, I've been seeing a lot of movies recently. I saw uh, Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. Oh, I want to see Which that. is the new Gus Van Sant movie. And Danny did that, right? Yes. Yeah. And Danny Glickard costume designed. And it was just... Uh, John Callahan was this cartoonist and he's an alcoholic who got into this horrible car crash um, and became a quadriplegic and he became a cartoonist after that. Um, and it's just interesting to see this person. I, I, in, in my life I've experienced um, addicts and um and they're frustrating and um and it's interesting to see someone go through through their dark side like through the darkest thing that could happen to you and come out on the other end and just they don't take you like through all the 12 steps of AA but um but you see the people that he's met and um and sort of how he comes to forgiving himself and, and also that being an addict is an everyday struggle mm-hmm. that, um, and I think alcoholics especially don't, um, or even people that are addicted to drugs, like just like just addiction in general, people don't get, it's not treated like an illness and they're made to feel bad about themselves. And like, it's something that they brought upon themselves and it's their choice and each day that they don't partake is a struggle and it is a conscious choice not to do it but it has to like their instinct is to do it yeah uh and so i like that because i think it shows a lot of vulnerability all the characters in that movie and i thought it was really interesting yeah i was listening to mark Marin had an interview yes with, with the director yes. i thought that was so good and mark um is sober and he was saying that he thought it was a really I don't remember the word he used, but, like, one of the most honest portrayals of, like, recovery that he's seen. Yeah. Which I think is... I'm curious to see it. I think you'll really like it. My, um... His... He was never going to listen to this. It doesn't matter. (laughs) This guy I dated in college. Mm -hmm. Um... He was addicted to coke, and I I don't even know, like, he realized that he was addicted, and I don't know if he ever has, because... I got to a certain point where I just said, we're in the middle of the night, he came over and he would do this. He would just like show up at like three or 4 a.m. and be like, let me in, let me in. And then like I would like nurse him back to health. Yeah. And he would just show up just because he knows that I would open the door. And he showed up and um, it was my birthday and he hadn't spoken to me that whole day, probably because he was like on some sort of whatevs. Um, I can't believe I just said whatevs, but uh, <laughs> he was on, <laughs> it's just a word you use when you don't want to talk about the real thing. Um, and, uh, and he showed up and he was just, and this has happened multiple times where he was, where he just needed someone to nurse him back to health when he was coming out of his down. Um, 
I've never done coke, so I don't like the sound that it, your nose makes when it, the snorting sound. I can't do it. Insane to say that that's the reason I've never I done mean, coke. It's as good as reason as any. <laughs> I've never done it, but it looks like it gives you a very high high and then a very very low low. And so I felt like at a certain point he was just coming to me for the lows, because hmm. I hope I think he's okay now. But I just I just feel like this movie really showed people that have addictions in in a very real and vulnerable light that I think is important for us to see, especially since it's not treated like a mental illness. It's treated like, or, or not that it's a mental illness because that mental illnesses aren't treated either. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Either. It's like, unless you have a broken leg, then you're fine. Like unless someone has a sickness that you can see, then, then we don't validate it. It's just treated as a bad choice. Yeah. Yeah. And so those are the two things that I've seen that I highly recommend. (laughs) Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This was great. This was. It wasn't as nerve-wracking as I thought. (laughs) I'm glad. (laughs) I'm not scary. Thank you for listening to the Compass Podcast. If you find these conversations valuable to your life as an artist and would like to support the ongoing production of The Compass, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thecompasspodcast. Pledges start at as little as $1 a month. You'll get access to bonus content and anything you can give would be greatly appreciated. Also, if you have a moment, please rate or review in iTunes. Every little bit helps other listeners to find the podcast. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brandon Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.